0: ever wonder what it's like to get sucked through a vacuum tube? Well, I did, so I decided to have a conversation with Lloyd Marino who's working with Hyperloop Transportation Technologies and I'm hoping one day in the future Lloyd and his team will deliver a Hyperloop system to California that'll help revolutionize the way we travel and hopefully in addition to the California high-speed rail project we're going to have multiple options between cars Airplanes, trains, and vacuum tubes. Take a listen. Welcome to a Step Ahead podcast. This is Mike Montgomery, the executive director of Cal Innovates, and I'm here today with Lloyd Marino, who is a big data expert and is spending a lot of his time working with companies on data, information technology, but Why we're here talking to Lloyd today is to discuss a project that's near and dear to his heart that he has worked on uh, for the past number of years called Hyperloop Transportation Technologies. That is correct. Hey, Mike, how are you? Good. Welcome to the show, Lloyd. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Hyperloop is something that's fascinating to me. It takes me back to the days when my parents would drive me to the bank And we'd use the drive-through teller, and there would be a vacuum tube. We'd put some money in it, and it would go and shoot right up the tube and into the teller. Essentially, that's the same sort of technology that we're talking about. Kind of, yes. Forty years later. Yeah, so vacuum tube technology has been around forever, right? Since mid-40s, I think, maybe early 50s. Mm -hmm. Uh, The idea with hyper transportation technologies is that you would basically void the tube of all the air, all friction, and you would levitate it on magnetic technologies, and you would suck the capsule through. I've been working on my levitation lately. It hasn't really uh, (laughs) come to fruition yet, but one day, perhaps it will. Okay, so we live in a, a state... Uh, and a country that probably needs more transportation uh, options. We're looking at, you know, if you want to get from the Bay Area to Southern California, you usually have to take an airplane, maybe you have to uh, drive. It's a long drive. The state is looking into spending billions of dollars building high-speed rail, which could be an option. You've got the Hyperloop option. I think the stance that we have is that more is better sure and they're probably all complementary in a certain way to each other however we're not going to get into the pros and cons of building hyperloop right now what i'm really excited to talk to you about is what specifically you're working on at hyperloop transportation technologies that will revolutionize the way people travel absolutely so my background is in travel technology you know this we've been friends for a while so At Hyperloop Transportation Technologies, we are building what I'm calling the travel companion software. And basically what that is, is an application that tries to understand and offer you travel related opportunities, whether through Hyperloop or through other transportation mediums. But all along, we try to collect data and understand your travel behavior so that we can offer things to make your travel experience that much better. Okay, let's talk about your background for a while. You were part of the team that built Expedia. I was on the Expedia team, yeah. You have a background in loyalty programs for credit card companies. That's right, yeah, so the hospitality industry, the travel and hospitality industry. And so you're taking those skills and combining them for the kind of the 3.0 version of what you're building for. Sure. They, They seem to follow me regardless of what industry I'm in. They seem to be portable. Okay. So how does this work? So let's say one day in the United States, Hyperloop exists and I want to take it from point A to point B. I'm in my office. I know that I want to get to where I'm going at some point in time. I probably told Hyperloop that or Hyperloop knows when the cars are going to be available. Can you call it a car? What is it? Pod or the transportation medium that was suggested to you is running late. Or there's a log jam. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So now I can make suggestions to you. So for example, one of the things that most listeners of this podcast will be acutely aware of, have experience in, is waiting for BART. Yeah, okay. My example is going to be you're commuting from Connecticut to New York, for okay. example. Okay, sure. Right. So Taking a cellar, Same thing, right? Same thing, different coast, yeah. right? So you commute every day from Connecticut to New York. You book your travel through the Travel Companion and today, just so happens, that train or that transportation medium is going to be late. Now I can make suggestions to you. I could say, hey, look, you're going to be a half hour delayed. And through our business partners or our strategic partnerships, we can offer up suggestions to you. I'll, I'll use Starbucks as an example. You know, you're gonna walk by a Starbucks, your train's a half hour late, boom. We're gonna offer up a, a coupon or some special at Starbucks to suggest you go in and have a cup of coffee and wait for your train. Near the station. For the example. station, right. Right, so yeah. on my way. On your way, exactly. Right, that type of behavior or logic behind your behavior just keeps getting better as technologies advance. You know, we're all looking forward to the automated car, right? And that's always been a problem is that last mile. The reason why you drive to work and and you don't take public transportation is because of that last mile. It's such a hassle to get to the train station, uh, even here in Los Angeles, just to get to downtown LA. If it were a walk from my house, I'd be happy to do it. But if I'm in my car anyway. And if you've got to drive to the metro station, which is slightly out of the way, I might as well just drive downtown. It's gonna take the same amount of time. So that last mile is an issue, and with automated vehicles, uh, that kind of alleviates some of that. Uber's doing that already, Lyft, all these on-demand ride-sharing programs are doing that, or helping, I should say. Right, in fact, Uber, I believe, just yesterday, or I guess it was announced today, got approval to start testing its autonomous vehicles in California again, which is kind of exciting. That's fantastic. But that last mile is a problem. And I had my first job in San Francisco. I had to take the N Judah train from the Haight to Market Street. And then I had to walk all the way up to, you know, what I call the Tender Knob between Tenderloin and and Knob Hill. And, you know, it was a trek. Some days it was cold. Some days it was rainy. But there was no real easy way for me to get where I was going. Right. Right. That last mile is a problem. So what you're doing is you're not only predicting the future but you're helping people alleviate some of the burdens of waiting for non-productive time or downtime or whatever they may enjoy. Yeah, and we've done a couple of studies. So one of the studies we've done, everyone thinks, wow, well, I'm on this transportation medium. Now I have a half hour, an hour, whatever the case may be, I'm gonna be on this transportation medium on my way to somewhere. What we've figured out through some studies is people don't work on the train they try to catch up on their lives. They try to figure out their schedules for taking their kids to soccer practice. They figure out what they need to fill the refrigerator with, what's going on with the kids and the dog and the husband and wife, and just family matters. And so we want to offer up in our marketplace tools to kind of make that experience that much better. And to get into travel experience, if I can switch gears and go from kind of your commute to leisure travel, typically historically leisure travel has been itinerary based right in fact so was business travel you book a flight you book your transportation to and from the airport you book your hotel and it's all kind of like just kind of linear down the line this is what we're doing but travel is in my opinion experience based and for years I've been trying to in the travel industry create an experience-based itinerary as opposed to just kind of this linear itinerary. So, you might be going to on vacation with your family to, let's say, New York, but you're there on business, they're on vacation. And so, you might be in the office during the day, they might be at Statue of Liberty while you're in the office, but maybe you'll all meet for dinner. And so that event that timeline consists of a number of different people doing a number of different things and now with smart devices we have the ability to kind of share that data back and forth and so we're going to offer that up in the travel companion app as well Uh, that all sounds great because coordinating anything is in terms of timing is always really hard yeah think about you maybe going back to san francisco right if the app knows you're going to san francisco and you're going to be there at a certain time I have access to your contacts, assuming you opt in for it. And now I can make suggestions to you. Hey, Mike, you got 30 friends in San Francisco. Why don't we reach out on your behalf, You know, make a reservation and or meet for drinks or, you know, you get the, you get the point, right? It's just, yeah. it's like a life concierge. Sure. I like that. All right. I do think that's interesting. I think the ability to utilize that as a, an entrepreneurial opportunity is a good one. You bring up Starbucks. But there are any variety of stores, restaurants, bars, nail salons, right? shoe shine booths that could benefit from a partnership with Hyperloop Transportation Technology. And so right? that's, what our, that's what our marketplace is for. Right. To, to allow participation. Got it. So how big is your team? How many people do you have working on this with you? So, you know, Hyperloop Transportation Technology crowdsources most of the resources. My team right now is nine people and they're all over the world. So we've got a handful in Bratislava, Slovakia. We have a guy out in Monaco. We have another entire company called Catalyst Corporation, or Catalyst CC is their website. They are an analytic company, a mapping and analytic company out of Vienna, Austria. We have a gentleman here in Idaho. He's a project manager, certified project manager, UX UI guy in New York. And I think we have a developer, If I'm not mistaken, he's in um, Kazakhstan. Oh. So how does one get involved with Hyperloop Transportation Technologies? What's the, you know, do you have to go knock on the door? uh, But let's say somebody said, hey, this is really cool. Lloyd Marino is working on the coolest project that I've heard about in a long time. I've got some spare time. I'd like to pitch in. Typically what you would do is go to their website and there's a sign up. If you're interested in volunteering and getting some stock in in return for your skill set, There's a process. You have to be vetted and have value within the organization. But after that, it's it's fairly simple. You wind up on a team, using your skill sets, and you contribute. That's awesome. So how close are we to seeing the launch of Hyperloop technology somewhere in the world? The actual Codden? Yeah. So there's been a couple of announcements that I'm pretty sure I can talk about. Abu Dhabi, Dubai. So the Arab Emirates has made an investment. So that looks very promising. Uh, in fact, I think they have an initiative to have it done with, by 2020, if I'm not mistaken. So that will happen. There are some announcements that ability study in India. And I think as of yesterday, there was an announcement that there's a feasibility study being done in Indonesia, in Jakarta. Ah, oh, okay. I did not hear you say California. When are we going to get one? There's Quay Valley. Valley is a... How do you spell that? Q-U-A-Y, if I'm not mistaken. I guess a a, a planned community off the I-5. And so they have been granted a five-mile stretch of test track. So I think that's the extent in California. How long, how long does it take to go five miles in a hyperloop? About... 10 seconds? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? I guess it's why it's labeled a test track. So, mm-hmm. uh, I know Abu Dhabi to Dubai was like uh, 15, 20 minutes. And how long would that take via airplane? I don't know if you'd get in an airplane to do that. Via car? Yeah, a couple hours. Yeah? Yeah. I think it's the equivalent of going to Sacramento or San Francisco from southern L.A. Oh, wow. In L.A., you could get to Sacramento or San Francisco in about 20 minutes on Hyperloop. Versus that five-hour drive, hour drive, even though it's maybe a with four, stops. Yeah, maybe even though it's a forty-minute plane ride, it's to the airport from the airport. Wow, so that's fast. It's fast. It's uh, seven hundred sixty-eight miles an hour on average. Seven hundred sixty-eight miles an hour. How fast does an airplane go? About five hundred tops. Yeah, I think five hundred tops. Uh huh. And the cost of hyperlooping versus an airplane ticket. So they're probably less expensive. Yeah, there's some research going on as to, if we can, potentially, what the owner, Alborn, would like to do is make Hyperloop free. And so there's a number of ways to do that. One of our studies that we did with the, um, forgive me, I can't remember the name of the college we did it with, but we were looking at a freemium model where basically Hyperloop is free. Unless you want priority this, VIP that, then you would pay for it. So free hyperloop would be, I think, a fantastic thing. A free uh, for anything seems to be <laughs> right. you know, a popular offering, though you know, some would argue that free is never free. If you're talking about, say, for instance, Google or the debate that's raging right now is free data or zero rating you know, in Washington. Mm-hmm. But if somebody wants to give me something of value for free, I'm probably not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Sure. I mean, look, with Google, you give up certain things for free. You give up information on your phone. Same holds holds true here. Sure. Right. Sure. I mean, we're collecting data about trying to make your experience much better. Right. If you do opt in, it makes, like you say, the experience better. So, you know, I think it's also a generational thing, right? I think people who are younger, millennials, maybe a little bit older than millennials, are much more likely to opt in and say, you know, go ahead, use my data. Yeah, I don't care because I get this value. I get this benefit from... Yeah, we already knew this to be true. Right. I think that sounds great. I had a trip to and from San Francisco and LA earlier this week. And between delays and commute time, all in, I probably spent four and a half hours, maybe five hours making that supposed commute. I sure would have liked to have done it in, what, 30 minutes? Sure. Round trip? Yeah. In 40 minutes? And it sounds like the technologies that you are creating also reduce that sort of that sensation of being hurtled through the universe at an ungodly speed, <laughs> right? You won't even know you're going that fast. That's good. Or for some people who actually want to feel like they're going that fast, but they'd be able to feel that as well. I don't know the science... In, in depth, but but maybe 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 um, maybe you know because you I think you use some VR goggles as part of the process as well. So maybe you just don't wear the VR goggles, and maybe all pods are outfitted with augmented reality windows. So you got to re- remember, you're inside a tube; you're sealed. You, you can't see outside, but there are windows, and there are cameras outside of the actual pile on the pylon. So the augmented reality system shows you where you are, and you can. Potentially see how fast you're going. And we don't tell you on the, on the readout how fast you're going. It'll tell you where you are. Say you're going past the Grand Canyon. Give you some historical information about it because everything's augmented. It's kind of overlaid. And it, it all ties in with the transportation app because part of the transportation app is an entertainment system. And so all that stuff interacts while, when you get on the pod. So you're listening to a Step Ahead podcast with Lloyd Marino from Hyperloop Transportation Technologies. So the prospects of revolutionizing travel within the United States and within California specifically, where we've got such a problem with traffic, we've got such a problem with a lack of runways at airports. We're not probably going to build any more international airports anytime soon. This is potentially one of a handful of solutions that could be tapped into, and what I think is interesting about hyperloop transportation technologies is that this isn't necessarily anything other than it's a privately funded operation at this point in time right. that doesn't need massive subsidies and is really kind of a just kind of that's an interesting dichotomy, right? Because most metro stations are subsidized; your tax dollars are are subsidizing your ride. In this case, it would be, you know that wouldn't happen. It's just a benefit for constituents, I would think. Do you think this is as close as we're going to get to the realizing the Jetsons in our lifetime? Potentially, you know, interesting fact. You know, the Jetsons only ran for a year. I did not know that because it's one of my, it was one of my favorite yeah, shows. Yeah, I probably saw them over and over and over again, every episode. But I think this indication, maybe like ten years later, it was a, it? Was a there's a there's an entrepreneurial opportunity for somebody, right? Yeah. Interesting. So, is this? Do you think the is this the closest we're ever going to get to uh, the Jetsons in the next forty years? Maybe in my lifetime. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. In the United States, and and this is kind of uh, outside of HD. I, I don't know what they're going through to build the product in the United States. Their their efforts are more concentrated overseas. I think one of those reasons, and again, this is my opinion, is right-of-way issues in imminent domain and you know, same, the same issues that railroads have when they want to build tracks through a particular piece of land. I would assume those challenges are going to face HTT if they ever decided that they wanted to go big in the United States. Yeah, land use is always a problem. Maybe you've got some air rights that you could tap into versus needing to actually lay track everywhere. But I think my perspective is we need more of everything. We need high-speed rail, we need Hyperloop, we need these last mile solutions. Traffic is not getting better. It's getting worse. But high-speed rail, we've, that's been on the, on the books for decades, I think, maybe. It's how people get around in Europe. I know. But if you think about getting around. It's an investment in infrastructure that would be a nice complementary piece. But I'd like to have all those things today. Can you make that happen, Lloyd Marino? Can you deliver all of these things today? Uh, it wouldn't be up to me, but uh, in theory, the the technology is there. It could be done. I mean, and and it can give back, which I think is interesting. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about the. The pylons that a hyperloop would sit. So, tell us about the pylons, because there's an interesting energy component, water component, right? Yeah, so everything's solar, right? And the, the actual amount of energy used to propel the pod through the tube is less than what would be collected. So we're actually going to put energy back into the system. Not to mention we could have water collectors on the pylons, we can we, they can be green, they could they could hold foliage. There's all kinds of benefits to having a hyperloop go through your land, so to speak. And it's not actually creating any pollution. That's correct. Right? Yeah. So it's a green technology for sure. Right. So you could actually uh, you could when you talk about having plants, you could actually grow lettuce and tomatoes and Fruits and vegetables, right? That's right. Which reminds me, next time you're on, I think we should talk about the Global Seed Vault, which is another project that Lloyd is heavily involved in, which it could help define the future of food in the world. Another topic for another day, but yeah, you know, maybe they all kind of connect, right? So anyway, Lloyd, thank you for joining us on A Step Ahead. It's been a pleasure having you, and we're going to talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure, Mike. Thanks.